Now, let's all just laugh. Let's all just laugh. <laughs> Really nice, yeah. Hello, people of the internet and radio. I'm Killian. This is Sam. And welcome to Auditory Hallucinations, the Windshake Podcast. Today, <laughs> oh, that's what we're doing. <laughs> today, we are honoured to have Don Mitchison on the show, producer and engineer in residence at Home Studios in Bristol as well as member of the band Spectres. Bass player, I believe. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> yeah. the one. It, it's hard to figure out exactly because you're not in any of your Instagram posts. <laughs> but Am I not? Or, well, <laughs> you are eventually. They're trying, to hide, they're trying to hide the fact that I'm in the band. <laughs> <laughs> you see a lot of bands and it's like just pictures of gigs. I mean, no one wants to see the bass player anyway. It's fine. I don't know. There's bass... Depends on the bass player, I guess. <laughs> Welcome. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. It's nice to be here. We we could dig right in to like. Sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, dig. Dig a little deeper. We could just dig right into kind of like your kind of like history oh, with yeah. producing. If you want to start like just with like some sort of background oh, to like. Um, like, you don't need to take us... Well, you take us as far back as you want to, but... I guess a, br- a brief history. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I kind of fell into it a bit. It was... I was just playing in bands. I was just a guitarist playing in bands. And uh, then I started recording our demos, bedrooms, much like you guys. Yeah. Ex- yeah. Very much like this. <laughs> in fact, yours is better. You've got, you. you've got treatment on the walls. We just had a couple of mattresses. Yeah on the floor and that was that was it and uh started recording my band's demos and then i actually early on recorded spectres before way before i was in the band yeah like seven eight years before i was in the band uh recorded them in our in my old drummer's bedroom yeah and that was like very early days it was how long ago was this roughly 2011 yeah maybe that's kind of like seems to be where like the bedroom artists were like fully coming into the mainstream mm. as well in a way do you know right. like Tim and Paula and them sort of right sure them sort of people <laughs> yeah um, yeah I mean that's where we started and then we just kind of thought I met these guys um, Hugo Bishop and Connor and um that's when we kind of clubbed together and made a little studio and that was the malt house and that was 2013 and i mean it was a pile of shit but (laughs) it was lots of fun and we learned a lot and we just kind of carried on doing that was that the predecessor to hum yes was it in the same place no 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 um it was in a place called the Mott House in Old Market in Bristol. All right. So isn't it, uh, there's a place called Jam Jar there. Yeah. That's the same building. Okay. Well, would you just play above where the Jam Jar is? Well, we're, we were the other end of the building, but yeah. All we right. had a studio cool. there. 
Was and, Jam uh, Jar still there then at that point? Uh, they started kind of halfway through us being there. We were there for like six years. Fuck. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, and it was, was, was it like better than the setup you had in your room? <laughs> oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, and we, you know, we slowly built it. We kind of started with just uh, like an eight channel interface and it was just yeah. our mates' bands and our bands and we'd rehearse there and it was just, yeah, chaos. But then we slowly cut bought gear. We ended up with a console and... Did you have a control room and a live room? We yeah. did, yeah. 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 Back then, when, like, to take it back a little bit, when you were in your bedroom recording, yeah. like, with your band, was it, were you kind of the person that was at the forefront on the recording side of things, or were you all kind of taking in turns and doing, doing that? No, it was mostly me recording. I mean, uh, the, the guy, um, my bass player at the time, he, he knew his stuff as well. Yeah. But I, I'd be the one recording other bands. So you were, uh, so you weren't just recording your own. Yeah, yeah. No, other other people's bands kind of started. Um, back then, there was a label called Howling Owl, uh, who is actually the two guys from Spectres, and yeah, they actually. they were running that. Um, and that was just, I mean, they were like the glory days for us. Yeah, we were, we were young and <laughs> having fun, and uh, it was it was amazing. There were so many great bands. And it was this nice little family, little tiny little scene in Bristol yeah. of all sorts of bands and great musicians. And it was great fun. And we just kind of, I just started making demos for bands back then. Would you say That's that it. the atmosphere has changed since then? Yeah, but only probably because I'm older. Okay. I'm sure there's scenes like that now. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just too old to like... <laughs> be involved in that way you know it was different there seems like because we've recorded in hum there yeah. seems to be a sort of an accidental almost fraternity of bands all around our age and playing in similar gig venues that all work they're like new cut and yeah. witch elm yeah and yeah Home seems to be at the centre of the sort of bands in Bristol that realise that that's where they can go to get a good uh, sound. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. Um, it seems like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, some people in the city have heard of us, some people haven't. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's so many, you know, everyone in Bristol is a musician, it yeah. feels like, anyway. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, there's some people who, who've never heard of us or don't even know those bands that you've just listed. You know, yeah. they, they, there's so many different scenes you know, and types of music in Bristol, so... It does seem like every genre has its own scene. Yeah. You just have to find the people that are in it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Was when, it like that? Yeah, go on. Sorry, go Was it. it like that in the days that you describe? Uh, or it, was it It more? probably was. No, it probably yeah. was. It was just because we had our own little thing. We were just like our own little thing going on. And, yeah, I don't remember... <laughs> it was uh it was a lot of fun and yeah, yeah i don't my memory's not it's a little hazy was, it a lot, was a lot of drinking involved yeah um yeah there was a lot of parties um a lot of gigs it felt like you know you're always out at gigs there was always a gig on and it was kind of all sorts of well all sorts of music in that kind of alternative realm, at least. What was the venue 
like what were the venues back then the same as now or like oh man well i was in a band called velcro hooks back then velcro it, hooks velcro hooks and we just ended up playing the mother's ruin <laughs> it was, even when we tried to play another venue i remember we played oh, what was it called it was um no it escapes me but it was just down the road uh rap and roll or something i can't remember and the pouncer would just not let anybody in. So everyone was just stood outside for the whole show. What? So we, instead, instead of playing, we just, I don't know, it was something to do with capacity. It was like five people or something. Yeah. Shake, rap and roll, something like that. <laughs> and so we just managed to get all of the crowd, which is just our mates, you know, yeah. and get all of our equipment. And we walked it over to the Mother's Ruin and we played there instead. <laughs> so even when we tried not playing there, we ended up playing there. Have you ever played in like, a tiny room in Mother's Ruin. Yeah. Right at the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. With that band. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, well, it was a lot of fun. I don't know how good we were. It sounds pretty bad down there as well, doesn't it? To like hear. Yeah, I mean. What are you doing? No idea. <laughs> we, we did a gig there once and the, the shape of the room was like. It's like a an, little an tunnel, enigma. isn't it? Yeah. It like opened outwards from the stage and then cut off at the corner. <laughs> everywhere just seemed to bounce feedback at a different frequency yeah it was fun though yeah exactly when did you like when did you start thinking or like what like when do you start transitioning your mind from like right i'm just doing demos in a bedroom to like whoa i can actually maybe professionally start producing people or recording people to really do it I don't know um, like was it just a gradual journey or was it like a point where you were like right I actually want to no I mean there was definitely a point where I realised that's what I wanted to do yeah but that was way before I felt confident enough to be doing it yeah <laughs> um, yeah there was definitely a lot of well and still is sometimes I mean, imposter syndrome and things like that it's it's not like I've I've not done the normal thing of working in a studio, learning the ropes, working under under a producer and being their engineer. I've just kind of done it a really stupid backwards way and dived in at the deep end and made my mistakes what is that in front stupid? of everybody. <laughs> what is that stupid backwards way? Um, just opened a studio uh, <laughs> with my mates and kind of went for it. That's a fucking good way to do it. Though, I right? don't know. Yeah. Well, it's... Yeah, I guess it shows that you're passionate about it. Yeah, of course. Um, well, so that's kind of how you jumped into the deep end. You basically went, fuck this, I'm going to open a studio. Yeah, well, it's so hard to get a job. Yeah. You know, you, you've got all these people who come out of uni or yeah. whatever with whatever degrees in whatever sound engineering. And unless you're in London or you're really lucky, it's really hard to get a job. Like in mo- it's in, so in competitive in like in a studio like, yeah. as an engineer. It's so competitive, and yeah, there's routes. You know, you can do a Tom Meister course and end up in real world or whatever. But I didn't do that, and I was kind of too late. I thought to kind of start doing that. Mm. I mean, I was what twenty seven when we opened Malt House, and that was that was ten years ago. So. So, yeah. you at so prior to that, you were just learning basically just from bedroom recordings. Yeah, I'd always just use Logic at yeah. college, and you know, screwed around with that, and 
I used to write music for like friends, um, films and stuff like that. So I kind of knew my way around it. But yeah, it, it wasn't until much later that I felt confident to kind of record a band and think I can actually make this sound half decent. Was yeah. that when you had your first studio? That you, uh, it was probably halfway into that. Yeah, when we first opened the studio, it was just, it we were very much learning. Yeah, you know, like what sort of stuff did you have when you first, like when you first opened it? Like say the first month or two, was it basically just a room with drums and? A... <laughs> yeah, well, we we'd spent like two months building it. You know, we kind of built these two rooms. You know, a live room a bit bigger than this this room we're in and. A window through to a tiny it was like a tiny control room and uh so it was it was it was cool mm. it was it was a vibey how did you get <laughs> place, to that but... point though financially to be able to do that like did you all have jobs and like save up money to do that oh yeah we were working in like hospitality jobs that's you know that's what i always did beforehand yeah like cafes and bars and stuff and so, then that just yeah. helped you get to that sort of point to do yeah that. well to, it was a credit card we we took two grand out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and built like you bought plasterboard and rock wool and whatever and just chucked it up and yeah did you did you have like a desk at that point when you first opened no it? no no so you're just like using like just a normal yeah interface. just yeah did yeah. you immediately start having clients yeah because we were just so lucky of that that scene yeah and so you know we just had rehearsals running every night yeah all of our mates bands our bands and we'd all play you know pay into the pot yeah and that would just keep the rent going we didn't make any money ourselves no for years years and years how long did it take you to pay back the two grand i don't know if we ever have (laughs) (laughs) nice (laughs) um yeah it's it just yeah, it just kept accumulating. It just sustained it just, itself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So when that chapter was kind of coming to an end, like with our studio, yeah. did you, how much of you were still surviving and being like, right, let's, so I'd, let's get So at that point, I, I was full-time at that point. I was yeah. working full-time. At the studio? At the studio, yeah. Um, and that was keeping you like financially stable as well. Which... <laughs> <laughs> no, I only ask because I just... Uh, like, as a I mean, I was alive. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was okay. Yeah, yeah, um, sure. But no, I mean, I was just full time. We we didn't like choose to leave at that point either. It was uh, how much of the story to tell? Um, <laughs> we were forced out of the building because of an asbestos scare, <laughs> and. At that point, when we heard the news from our neighbour down the hall, yeah, when they told us like what had happened, uh, we couldn't get hold of our landlord to like find out any information. He just yeah. went AWOL, so we just moved out. It was it was a split split second decision. Basically, we just got a van and moved all the equipment One month because we couldn't next. we couldn't let people in and. No. So we were just gone, and we didn't speak to the land. Like landlord just disappeared. Did you for ever a speak to time. him afterwards? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever find out there was asbestos? No, not in our unit. Right. I think you'd be fine. But uh, <laughs> I think uh, I think it it was very bad. I think he had to spend a lot of money to sort the building out. Yeah. But the building's still there, and he's he's done it. So, yeah. Fair. So then but, you basically moved on. Is that just when Hum came into the picture then? Kind of. We um, 
took a bit of a break. I started working out of Christchurch, um, Christchurch Studios in like Clifton Village. I've no, I've never heard of that. You've never heard of it. <clears throat> so it's not. Well, it might be open commercially. I'm not. I'm not really sure what's happening with it. It's. Um, it was owned by the Bristol Old Vic Theatre School. All right. So they did like dramas, like radio dramas and stuff. Yeah. And it's an amazing studio. It's so good. The live room is huge. It's proper old BBC kind of yeah. thing. I think BBC at least. But it's it's where Massive Attack did Mezzanine. All like right. Now. Uh, I think. And yeah, because uh, yeah, the Mezzanine in the studio. Uh, I think, yeah, a bunch of other people had recorded there. And I, so just, I just had a little production room for like three or four months whilst we were working out what the hell we were going to do, whether we even wanted to run a new studio or yeah. whether that was a stupid idea. So when did Hum actually open then? Hum we, Studios? We opened February 2020. <laughs> yeah. That was good timing. <laughs> Terrible. We'd spent, so we took <laughs> three months off work to build yeah. it. But we were builders for three months, like October, November, December, one bit of Jan as well, and um, worked ourselves to the bone. Uh, opened to a full calendar in February and then closed in March. So <laughs> <laughs> that must have Which been is absolutely scary time. It it was I can't I don't know I think maybe I've blanked it from my memory. It's yeah. Did it you just scary. go in there and record yourselves then? Uh. Well, we actually hadn't really. We we'd finished the studio to a point where it was open, you know, yeah. it was working, but it's never ending. No. So we just carried on. Yeah. Um, improving it. Yeah, we could. Yeah, when we when we kind of knew a bit more what was going on, we went in there and made some music. Yeah. Did some mixing things like that, but. Yeah. I thought it was really good. Like obviously, when we'd always come to the studio that like deal you had with Bim or whatever I thought that was great for like learning and just recording our music yeah that was really fun actually yeah. it was <laughs> yeah uh, out of all the students I think it was just you, you and another band I think it was New Newcut <laughs> Newcut and um, Otto yeah Otto, yeah. Otto um, basically that was it yeah the we basically got an come. album out of that which is ridiculous yeah, yeah. <laughs> have an album paid for by your uni that's yeah that's good going it it like it didn't seem like it seemed like you were kind of just letting us well yeah i mean you're more free if you're you know. like the, the, the deal with them it was just studio time yeah you know it was just yeah. like access to a studio for, yeah. for students so yeah we didn't there wasn't like anything we you know we weren't teachers or anything mm. it was just it was as if you were paying clients. Did you enjoy just sitting back and taking the engineer's role? Because, like, I remember a couple of times when there was, like, a, a, a choice that had to be made by us, and you'd be like, well, if I was producing this record, we'd be doing this. But, <laughs> since, <laughs> but <laughs> since I'm just engineering, then you can do that instead. Yeah. Did, um yeah, I don't know. It, yeah, every day's different. It's um, fair. It's fine. Yeah, it was. It was fun. It was. I, I mean, I had a lot of fun when you guys would come in. It was. It was always. We'd always get something good out of it. Yeah. So. Yeah, we felt like that. As and well. I, th I yeah. felt like you guys were kind of. 
you were just learning how not not just technically how a studio works but how to get the best out of yourselves out of the band yeah how do you play together you know you were going through all that kind of do we need to play to a click track why do we need to play to a click track <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't want anything to be edited or like we need to get this sound, this sound. And it's just, it's all part of the process of learning what you want to be doing, isn't it? So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's it trying is. to all become the thing as well. Like you were saying before we start recording about like, well, I think most of us were like, what is the right take? Have we got the right take? Yeah, yet? because that's just a wormhole, isn't it? It's yeah. like, you just go down, you, you lose perspective. So, yeah, like we had a rule in one of my old bands that you're you don't have an opinion on your part you, you have an opinion <laughs> obviously but, you, but your opinion <laughs> doesn't count worse. Yeah. your opinion doesn't really count um so if everyone else in the band yeah. you play something and they love it yeah it's staying yeah if you play something that you love and everyone else is like nah yeah. <laughs> it's gotta go so that's a quite a good philosophy though I think I think so it helps give a bit of perspective on on it and and you know it, it gives bigger picture as well because it's yeah. not it's not about your part no it's actually about the, the song and the whole thing but would that never get heated I don't know you get over it yeah <laughs> <laughs> I read Edelton John's biography and he said something similar how he got to a point where like I think it was mid seventies, like when he just blew up. Right. Like creatively, he was kind of saying that you were just. I thought you were like he blew up in his seventies. No, like... so it was earlier than that. <laughs> when yeah. he blew up, when he was seventy. No, yeah. in the seventies when he was really famous, apparently just he just let everyone else kind of decide what was going to be right for the song. Right. Because he thought that other people might know better. Yeah. Like he just went through that period. Well, I, I think it's, it's important for like. Maybe artists or musicians to go through a period like that. If you know I think, yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, it's it, for me. It, it, the fun bit is the collaboration. So, I, it, it's it's life's too short to be too precious about the end result. You know, I mean, I completely get it when there's an artist and they're very protective about what they want and they've got these ideas and they're very particular. And I'm all for that. But that's part of the job of being a producer is trying to understand that and pull that out of them yeah. rather than go against it. But when you're in a band, there's all these jugglings of egos yeah, and you've kind of got to balance everyone out. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that's what would be good like for us to work with a producer, if you know what I mean, mm. for future projects to like, well, I, I've always wanted to try to... Like, you know, you hear stories about, like, bands. They just always work with the same producer or different producer. Yeah. Or whatever. But it's like, do you... Like... Do you always feel like you have to involve yourself the same amount? Like, say if someone's like, right, I want you to produce me. Are you always going to be like, right, I'm going to involve myself this much? Or you just do you feel like you know when to hold back? No, I mean, every, every project's different. Like, so it is just situational every yeah, time? Yeah, completely. Like every band is different, every dynamic, will, you know, everything's different. Um, it might be that you really need to give them some direction. Uh, you know, everyone has their own strengths and weaknesses and you've yeah. kind of got to fill the hole that's missing mm -hmm. in a way uh, and and play on the strengths as well. Yeah, it's 
Do you find that a lot of the role of being a producer slash engineer is being a sort of psychologist, therapist, artist? Because <laughs> <laughs> there's a way of saying you yeah, need to redo here. that in a way that doesn't make them just crumble and play badly for the rest of the day. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, I Like 90% of it is people skills. Fair. Uh, it's... And you don't have to be a people person. No. You know, I'm I'm not. But in that environment, I've definitely worked out ways to say things. Yeah. You know, so that doesn't happen. Or yeah, just keep keep the the vibe going, knowing being observant of the room. Yeah. Being able to read the different people in the room. And like when something's going good, when it's not going good and why and trying to yeah, rectify that really. Yeah. It seemed like you were quite like calm when we were there recording, if you know what I mean. Like you seemed quite like like what you're describing, you seemed quite observant and you weren't like commanding too much no, of no. what you think. No. But I don't know if that's just because we were like stayed on school and there to record. And yeah, we you wait till you come for real. <laughs> no, um, no I, I think it's good to be calm. It's, it's, yeah, you, you don't want to be in a stressful environment every day uh, and it should just be fun. Mm. Um, and if the artist's calm, then I'm calm. It's, yeah, it's pretty like, like how, how much do you think you've learned like, like since having hum, like how to actually be a better producer, or are you are you or are you not even thinking in that way? Because uh, like, I'm always learning. Yeah. yeah, like it doesn't end. Yeah, like always learning, always learning mm. a new, you know, even if it's a new shortcut on the computer, or whether it's a just more knowledge about different genres, you know. Um, and just thinking about different tones and how they can they can come into other genres and things like that. It, it's mm. it doesn't end. It's just yeah. I don't I don't know. Mm. I've learned what I've learned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I I've been thinking recently like about well, I don't know if this is to do with mixing more or actually getting the right sound from the first thing you're recording, if you know what I mean, like the first drum tick, yeah. or like getting that right. But I guess I mean thinking it because of the, like, what do they call it? Like the bedroom producer these days. Sure. Like people are just in their rooms basically writing really good fucking albums yeah. and stuff. And mm -hmm. like they are kind of like, when you hear them say how they did it, it's kind of similar to what you were saying. They haven't necessarily gone to school to learn about it, or they haven't worked at a studio. Nope. But then they're, <laughs> they're writing bangers and they're fucking producing yeah. really well. Yeah. And it's kind of like, I don't know if that's making studios more like obsolete now, if you know what I mean. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know what that means for the studio business. Well, I think we've been living with that for a while. Yeah. You know, since it's people just had... La no, no. I mean, relatively new, but it's not like the past few years. It's been a while now. Yeah. I mean, there was that period of time when... Yeah, I think everyone 
everyone in the studio industry has just had to rethink a bit yeah. about how they how they get their income really you know gone are the days when a band will come in well mostly mm. there are, it still exists but gone are the days when a band will come in for three months mm. and write and record an album mm. uh, that's much rarer than it was did that ever come onto your radar as like a sort of worry or apprehension of like shit oh. should we open a studio when you can basically just record everything in your bedroom it just <laughs> it oh, it should have I don't know. We were we stupid. I don't know. It nah. was. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel. I feel like that's kind of like the pinnacle of the studios. If you know what I mean. I feel like most people would probably want some sort of studio, even if they started from their bedrooms. Yeah, absolutely, of course. It's it's definitely a dream, and that's yeah. why. But you know what we've tried to do. I feel that there's still the middle ground, which is important. So, you know, you can do so much at home, so much, but the ba- the the artists we work with often are bands mm. and it's much harder for that to happen at home. So, you know, there's that middle ground where we try to be affordable. You know, you guys aren't going to go and pay for Abbey Road or... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they've had to rethink... Mm. Yeah, I'm sure they. You know, they've got a lot more orchestras where they they started that school. The they've got engineering or production school thing. Yeah, and they've got loads of like mastering suites. They've got low, you know, loads of things. But the bigger studios have definitely changed the way they work over the past fifteen years. Um, whereas, I guess you have the small studios like us, where we're trying to kind of fill that middle ground of laptop bedroom producers and like that extra bit that they need uh where you need the room it's like drums yeah you You need a good room so and a lot more mics than most people will have at home Mm. just things like that or recording a band live or half live or you know so i think you're trying to fill that hole having the producer as well helps or the engineer that knows what they're doing yeah because like the people that a lot of musicians, I, I'd, pre- I'd pretty much say that most musicians these days, like I could be completely wrong, but they seem like they're kind of pl- learning how to play music through like logic or whatever, if you know what I mean. Like sure. that is kind of like their instrument. Yeah. So it's like, but out, out of all them people, I feel like there's only a few people that are re- like that really make something fucking good quality in terms of like production and all that. And like that, that just makes me think it's like, how much are these guys like training their years or like so yeah i mean having having laptops on one hand is amazing because it it opens up the the possibilities to to much more many more people yeah but also it kind of means there's a lot more trash out there i was going to ask you about that like <laughs> do you think it's it might be too simple a thing to say, do you think it's a positive or a negative thing? Because it's probably both. It but is both, but I think it's it's got to be positive. Yeah. I think I think just having that access for more people who wouldn't have had access to create their own music before, yeah. that can only be a positive. Yeah. You know, what would you rather have, like 20 shit bands on the internet or and and not have one amazing album? It's like... I'd much rather have that album that someone has made in their bedroom 
yeah. that's amazing at an expense of there being some trash in the internet that we don't have to hear. <laughs> There's always been trash anyway. Yeah. Like, you go into the... Just less. <laughs> you, go in, you go into the, the, the marked down LP section of Rough Trade and you yeah, see sure. hundreds of obscure, <laughs> forgotten 70s bands. Yeah. That, you know, and you listen to the record and it's, and it's not that good. Probably recorded really well though. Yeah, recorded in Rockfield <laughs> Studios, you know. But, yeah, there is... Th- what I wonder about is, I think in the past, bands had to evolve and hone their sound just in practice rooms and at gigs by the time they'd gone to a studio. Whereas I think nowadays, a lot of people, the moment they write their first song, they immediately say, right, let's record it and get it on Spotify. Yeah, yeah. And it seems like there's a lot of bands that are releasing music before they've found their sound. Yeah. 100%. I don't know if that's a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, who knows? I mean, it's it's definitely a thing. Um, yeah, we get bands emailing the studio saying, this is our first time in a studio. Yeah. But I guess that's where a producer is really important to help guide that process you know yeah um but it must be like weird being in your position or in a studio because like what if an artist comes in and they, they're kind of like like i guess starting out and just what they're playing is just really fucking bad oh yeah i mean <laughs> not just not ready yet like if we've, we've just, done our first show that i mean we don't really have to do that anymore well, so no. you feel like you 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 now have a right to be like, actually, I don't really want to work on this. Yeah, of course. Do you vet well, we the artists the before they do the? Yeah, we try yeah. to. Yeah. Uh, I did. I th- so you're not just taking on like anyone. No, like we try and we will try and help everyone. Yeah. There's always a way to try and get them in. Yeah. If if we don't think it's them completely mm. wasting their money and time. Yeah. But you know, there's a whole bunch of us who work out the studio and if it's not something what's the point in working something if, you, if you're not mm. into it so if it's something not something I'm into Connor might be into it Hugh might be into mm. it Ben might be into it Morgan might want to do it mm. yeah. so yeah it's there's yeah. always a way but if it's just really not ready and you get young bands and that happens then you can just say just take a few more months have you said that to people <laughs> yeah How's the response been to that? Pretty good. Fair. Always fine. I think yeah. they, they appreciate the honesty. It's... I'd prefer that, like, if... Yeah, I'd prefer that in my situation, I think, if someone yeah. was like, look, you Me am... Me too. Yeah, come back. Am... Like, do... If you give them specific things as well and not just say, you're shit, fuck off. <laughs> um, if you say, you know, try and improve this, try and improve this, mm. otherwise it's not going to come out how you want. You know, it's, it's a learning curve going to studio. You, you, if you've never done it before, you don't know how it works. You don't know how you come from your song in your practice room to a record that sounds how you expect it's going to sound. Because yeah. if you suck, then it's not going to be good. It's all down to the musician, really. Well, that's Actually. something we were talking about the other day when we were in Hum. Yeah. Like, we were talking about trying to get the right take. Yeah. And that's a like a problem for me as has always been of like in the moment being like, right, is that the right take? And then not really knowing, but then going with it. And then in the future I'm just trying to mix something which just doesn't sound right. And usually it's because the it take wasn't isn't right. Captured right, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And like that, pro- like I fucking hate it when that happens. <laughs> I'm sure most people do, but <laughs> yeah. But it's like I feel like, like how much do you think you can salvage, like a really bad take and make like f- flower up or put makeup on it and make it sound fucking. You can always make it sound sparkly, but if yeah. it's a bad song then or bad performance, it's yeah. never you're never going to change that. No. Do you think? Um, you- you can salvage a dodgy backing track with enough overdubs. Because <laughs> that's another thing we've had to learn. Oh, what are you guys do. planning on doing? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I only say it because, like, I've I've been in the position of having a backing track that really just went out of time at one point and thinking, if I put a guitar bit that's really going to take the attention at that point, the listener isn't going to be noticing it as much it's obviously not ideal but have you ever found that you just you have to do something with it i edit yeah i edit a lot yeah if i have no qualms in in editing somebody (laughs) if it's out of time yeah like i don't if it's out of time and it's not supposed to be and it's bad i will make it in time Hmm. Okay. Yeah. No, no, don't, I don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Obviously, yeah. that's your ethos. No. That, that's what. That's how you work. And I'm not saying like quantizing to the grid, but like you can move things. Yeah. You know, I've I've done, I have done records without a click track. Yeah. Live, mostly, or you know, with a few overdubbing vocals or whatever. Yeah. And had to edit the timing of that. Yeah. And you don't have a visual reference. You just have to do it by ear. Yeah. And yeah, it might be like the beat ahead of it is early, therefore that next beat sounds late. Things like that, where you just kind of have to just yeah, use your ears and feel it. Yeah, is it does it feel in time? More so. But do you think we're too analytical these days, though? Because we have so much tools to manipulate what we exactly want to do. Because back in the day, like you can hear records from like the sixties or whatever. Yeah. And they do just sound out of time, but it's like that's okay, yeah, because everything's out of time. And you, you listen to the tambourine, <laughs> and you've never noticed it before, but it's awful and it's really loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I, I don't know. I yeah, don't know. I, I, that's kind of my. That seems to be opinion, an opinion I'm leaning towards more as I'm getting older. Of yeah. like, maybe in our day and time, we're just too analytical of our performances. Yeah, but I guess we have the tools to make it like that and the temptation is great and yeah yeah, I don't know (laughs) I don't know Um, I've done a load of stuff on tape when we used to have our old tape machine yeah and yeah I didn't edit that and that was fine at the time I don't know so I think like art like artists will have a vision but sometimes what comes out is different from that vision, but it's better than that vision would have been. Sometimes, like, when the artist gets his way too much, or their way too much, it results in a less interesting-sounding product. Yeah, maybe. Like, this this is... Like, I remember talking about the, the, the editing thing once, and thinking... You, you listen to Led Zeppelin records, Led Zeppelin 4. Part of the sound is... Page is very much ahead of the beat. He's rushing. He's all over the place. And Bonham <laughs> is always behind the beat. And, and John Paul Jones is in the middle. He is the beat, yeah. And it's like people say, yeah, but that's fine because they intended that. So that's why that sounds good. But I think 
if Jimmy Page had a had the capacity to make it all quantized to the right thing, would he have tried to do that? And if he had it done, wouldn't we have ended up with a worse sounding record? Whereas I think nowadays people think what they want is everything to be on the beat and they edit it and they kind of lose the potential soul that a band could have because that is an intrinsic part of the Led Zeppelin sound is that they're all kind of tight but loose, I think Paige referred to it as. Yeah, sure. Um, but bands don't, bands don't spend those years getting to that stage anymore. Except for you guys. <laughs> do you not? But do you not think that's? Do you not think that bands feel less that they need to get to that stage because they think, oh, we can just fix it? Because that's oh what god, I, yeah. The mentality now is, I don't even need to play that again. Just loop it. Yeah. Is that the amount of times it's just like, no, I can't just. You've played two <laughs> two bars. Yeah. How am I going to make a song out of that? That's not how it works. Well, so you'll get a band coming into hum and they're just like, like. Were you just saying a scenario of stuff that actually... <laughs> you don't need to That's say a real-life scenario, yes. Uh, no, not with a band, actually. That that wasn't actually a band, but that has happened, yeah. Because people are, are used to being in their bedroom and they they record a bit and loop it and then forget about it and that's not important to them. But no, that, that isn't how it has... It, that isn't how it should work, I don't think. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, I guess we're yeah, we're trying to get to the point, I guess, where we can just go into a studio and play something really tight, like a backing track. Yeah, brilliant. But I've always got the fear though that it won't sound as like polished. No, it can, absolutely. Even if there's like a live backing track. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know it can because like we've done You've songs just in be hum. fucking good. I I always feel all these tools that engineers have are just there to fix a musician's laziness or, yeah. or, you know, because they're not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. yeah all of it. It's just like, yeah. if the musicians do it perfectly, you basically just have to push up the faders. It's, it, it should be that simple. Yes. But all the rest of it is there just because we've been more relied on. And so these tools get built and built and built and they have to use them. Because everyone's lazy. Because <laughs> everyone's shit. I'm joking. If, no, no. if you look at the producer, <laughs> as, if you look at the producer as someone who has to capture the band, then that is definitely, and like what you just say is the case. But I'm sure a lot of producers feel that the band is there to make their record. Like Trevor Horn, doesn't seem like he wanted to capture Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Sure. Like he wanted to make he a record. To make, yeah, of course. Every, and if that involved every not Every scenario is different. Yeah. Of course. You know, on the other end of the spectrum, you've got, you got Albini, who, who will not, he'll just capture you, you know, it is, yeah. is what it is. If you're, he's not going to make you fucking sound, he'll make you sound amazing, yeah. but it is natural and that's it. So, Yeah there's every producer is different every band is different and every combination is different um yeah i mean i've gone through in my journey of like doing of working with bands of taking almost that more engineer approach at the beginning yeah. and not really wanting to edit or do anything like that and then kind of doing almost that that thing where you're like okay, the band have this song, but I'm going to make it 
what I think they want. Yeah. And almost not giving them a chance. I remember early on doing that and realizing afterwards that was probably not the best way to go around about it. Did you get a good end product though? Doing yeah. That? No, it was great. It just it just wasn't wasn't them, I guess. Mm. But yeah. um but yeah, now having like that that balance I think is good. Um working with bands like you, it's yeah, you you are spending the hours and hours and hours working out exactly what you are about and what you care about and that's great. You know, most of the time I would be like we are using click track. Yeah. And and we will try <laughs> with you guys, but that's when it, it that needs could be to be to do with the song though as well. It, it, exactly. Yeah. To do with the song and it, the little intricacies of it, but the click that should be supporting you. It shouldn't ever be hindering you. Didn't you say the other day it was like a you're just it's like like Kaylin was saying something about the click and you said something about it. it's like just like playing like with a really good drummer in your headphones. That's yeah. just staying in time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that'd make the actual yeah. drummer feel then. Imagine but. you got Steve Gadd. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it should be supporting you. It should be helping you, not not hindering you. Yeah. You know, if there's tempo changes. I've worked with a band once who uh, kind of, I guess, post-punk band, but great young band who just had tempo changes everywhere. It was so free. Yeah. And I I took their demo, which was just them, li- you know, live in a practice room, and tempo map the whole thing all the slowdowns all the new tempos and i'd never met them and i yeah. came in with this tempo map of their two songs i was like look i, I want to try this yeah and they smashed it it was spot on yeah and they were like we've we've never done it that way before um you either get the i guess it, if you go to small studios and, and they make you go to a clip but if you've got tempo changes it's impossible but it does give that even if you don't do anything it just makes the process later on easier that's all what do you think though of like you get i mentioned this when we talked about it that day when you get a band like king crimson in their mid-70s period uh, the drummer's bill bruford who's objectively a fantastic drummer but depending on each performance of the same song he'll speed up in this bit he'll slow it down in that bit because that's his intuition like if you tried to do that King Crimson to a click, it would lose sure. a lot. But then why would you? So yeah. it's like, you know, you were talking about music from the 70s. It's That was a very different time. People, yeah. There was different expectations of what music should sound like and how it should be played. And now, you know, we're 50 years on. Yes. Everything's different. And even if you've got drummers like that, it's you may yeah you may be the click isn't the right choice but yeah. that's that's just a choice yeah isn't it I'm not saying everyone should play to a click that's no, that's no. insane so when you were saying that story though about the pulse punk band and you were like right I'm just gonna map out a click uh-huh. did you like did you do that because you thought you'd be able to get a better end product if they did do it to a click I did that partly because I I hadn't actually met them yeah at that point I'd never seen them it was just like a I wasn't 
really produce well i ended up doing a bit but it was just you know a young band who put studio yeah and so i mapped out the night before actually because uh, i didn't know how good they were yeah yeah and that gives me some control as well uh and when you're on like you've got a day to do this job mm. and it's you know you, you need to finish it yeah. you can't like they can't go home without mm. that song done, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> so you just need to be able to do it as best you can. And that's, I guess maybe even that, if that just gave me peace of mind, it was worth it. But they loved mm. it. They were like, they, I mean, the, to be honest, the drummer was shit hot. And mm. They were all amazing. Mm. So it just helped them because it was a click track that was just their natural speeding up and speeding down. Yeah. So it, and they were getting it like bang on to the bang on, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great band. Do you think they'd not want to mention them? Uh, oh, you don't have to. I I don't know. All right, I don't know. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh, I don't think they would mind. It, it was a band called the Hypothetics. Uh, I thought you. I thought Bristol you, band. I thought I've, you were I've talking about that band because we've seen them live and like right. I saw that you were recording them. And yeah, I was thinking I mean, in my head like well, I just I didn't mix or anything like that. I just yeah. they just came to the studio. We did two tracks. Nice. And, uh, what were the tracks? Do you remember? Oh, I don't. One was called Newborn, maybe. Okay. And the other was called. Nope. Don't know. Fair. I'm terrible with song names. Honestly, no idea. I mean, you you're probably working with three or four songs a day, <laughs> so I don't blame you. There's a lot swimming around in my head. Yes. <laughs> How do you find, because obviously you're in a band as well and you create music as an artist, do you find that being a musician has influenced your way of working as a producer, engineer? And yeah, think, 100%. Yeah. And vice versa? Um, definitely that way around. Um, I, it baffles me how engineers can be engineers without knowing music. Yeah. or no like playing something i i i don't i just don't know how i'd be able to do that i've never thought about music in that way yeah. i've had to learn that side of it i guess you know frequencies and learning about eq and things like that was very different to how i ever thought about it playing guitar or anything like that yeah so i don't know how i would I just don't know how that happens. Did you learn it's, about more of like the technical side through just trial and error, or were you like reading like a book or something? No, <laughs> no books. Uh, YouTube. Yeah. YouTube probably massively. Definitely helps. trial and error. You know, I made so many mistakes, but that it's fine. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Because uh, we, like, we haven't even got on to like talking about mixing. Yeah. Because like that's a whole other. Yeah ball game in it really yeah of course um yeah mixing i guess took a that's been yeah a journey in itself of like where i've ended up now and how i mix now is completely different to how i started of course but yeah i don't know what do you want to know <laughs> i I've, I've i was just thinking like i feel like as I'm getting more into mixing and stuff, like my ears are obviously picking up on more things from like my own music or other people's songs or whatever. Yeah. And I've just been like, I don't think I've ever realized how important like a kick drum is before. 
and like and like testing myself to see if I can hear it in like every song I listen to, if you know what I mean. Mm. This be kind of coming like a fun little game. It's like, sure. what's the kick doing? Yeah, now? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of like the relationship with the kick and the bass, for example. Like when I first started mixing, there was my mate. Well, he was kind of my mate. Was helping us mix a track, and like he was studying music production, but he kind of said something which always stuck in my mind as like a sort of truth and I I never knew I never know if it was a truth and sometimes it'd make me go into bad places if I was mixing like of negativity because right. okay. he was like he was like oh you always need to get like you need to choose which is going to be the lower frequency the bass or the kick drum sure and like <laughs> yeah you can take that approach but then I it's just quite genre dependent. I mean, no, that is, is true <laughs> to some extent, of course. I don't, I don't think about things like that. Yeah. In in that way. That's what I mean. Like that's why I'd go into a bad place because I think I was like setting up rules in my head of like, right, what for this song? What am I gonna do? Yeah. Am I gonna make the bass lower or am I gonna make the kick drum lower? Yeah. And I guess maybe if you naturally mix them both, you'll kind of just do that anyway, or you just, I don't know, maybe you'll, they'll both sound like that. Ride in a certain area in the lower yeah. end. Um, I generally don't think about kick and bass like that. I just don't. I, I don't know if that's because I don't mix those kind of genres where that yeah. matters as much. But to me, it's all like when, when there's a kick and a bass involved, it's generally band bandy stuff. Mm. And my way of doing that is not to carve out space. I don't really do that. I found it if I if I went to town EQing stuff, I would fuck it up, always. So you'd always, rather always, just always. capture it right and yeah. then stop screwing around with it. But you do then... EQ it though, when like before you record it, like yeah, before. But I just kind of when when I first started, you know, you have the like the channel EQ or like and you have that visualizer right yeah. on on it, and that's always really dangerous for me. Because what the 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 graphic EQ. yeah yeah and like you're you kind of do these things and yeah like, yeah that's definitely better and you do it for ages and ages and ages and you pull out well that's a bad resonance or whatever and then the next day you turn the EQs off and it's everything's much better than it was with the EQ on and you're like what the hell's happened <laughs> so mm. I just stopped doing that I just stopped paying attention to all that stuff um, I kind of do bigger moves I guess what do you mean by bigger moves. Um, so I know I say you want your kick drum to have more punch. Mm. Um, so, you know, that kind of area of two to four K mm. that's where you're going to have that kind of attack and the initial transient. Um, I'll be, I'll be kind of just getting that kick sounding how I like it on the way in whilst recording generally there's a few things that I'll do but but less is more mm. less is always more there's a great guy I've followed on Instagram for a few years and uh Craig Bauer mm. I probably told you about him and it he's he's just spot on I've learned so much from him uh doing like online seminars and stuff with him uh, years ago well a couple of years ago and he changed the way I thought about mixing completely what some, for the better what are some of the stuff that you feel like you learnt that really helped you from him uh, less is more um, there's definitely a stage of production and then there's the stage of mixing 
which what we all know. Ha- but if you can try and if you can try and define them two different production is when you can go to town on making shit sound how you want it to sound, and fuck it up and do stupid things and whatever you need to do to get it there. But mixing is just that final little bit to make it all work. So you usually do the production first, like yeah, messing up, like with effect. Yeah, yeah. Make it sound how you need it to sound. <laughs> do to make it do the job you want it to do. So when you when you're talking about that, you t- are you mainly talking about like chucking things in buses, getting delays, parallel yeah, compressors, it's all, it, or you do all that? of that? Yeah, of course, it's all it's all that fun stuff. But it's also making sure the kick's doing the right job. Making sure the snare sounds ninety percent, ninety nine percent how it should sound. Yeah, uh, all of that. Um, yeah, but the main thing I learned from from that was moving most things into parallel. Yeah, uh, you know, I'll, on say you've got a drum mix going or or anything, guitars, bass, vocals. You, I probably have one or two plugins on a channel. The rest is all parallel. This might be a really novice question. Like I've obviously started do like when that time we came from mixing session mm. and you showed us a bunch of tricks and that stuff. I was probably just showing you that. Yeah, just take like, stuff off, put it, put stuff in parallel. Yeah, I do that and now. Blend and it that way. I I do that a lot now, and I feel like it just sounds better. But then when I think about why do we actually do like I don't know why like why like what is like could you try to describe the difference between just put in like i feel like i could describe the difference but why does it work yeah like why cuz like a lot i feel like a lot of people that like try to mix and they get frustrated with their mixes they don't like they don't actually use buses yeah cuz like i don't use buses when logic would just randomly give them to me <laughs> well i guess so it goes back to the the old school days of mixing on a console yeah like so just to finish the question is just like yeah. what is the difference between just like throwing reverb on your track to not throwing it on the track but then making a bus for the reverb okay um <laughs> control i guess it gives you control of the send and return yeah um something's you know gain staging essentially um but also what's the difference um yeah just control of like the blend of of how things need to sound it's because you're getting both the signals and yeah both of the channels, and then. it's of course you've got say you've chucked a reverb on your vocal mm. and it's on the vocal and you've got a blend mix knob yeah and yeah of course that means you've got both mm. but it just doesn't give you the same control as sending your vocal to a bus mm. with that reverb on it plus then you can do other shit with it yeah. You know, you might just want to filter that reverb yeah. or filter before it hits that reverb yeah. and then put a flanger on it. Yeah, <laughs> and you just go into And you don't way. have that control yeah. if it's just all on the vocal. Plus, then you're riding one fader for, like, your vocal. It, it wouldn't it make just, sense. It just doesn't feel right at all. That that, that sounds like it's going to be really hard, meticulous work. So back in the day, like, 60s, 70s... Yeah. Well, like, when we didn't have computers, basically... For so they'd be mixing on a console, right? And they'd slab buses. Yeah, I mean, you'd have auxiliaries. So you'd have your tape playing, yeah, right, with your multi-track on it. That'd be mm. feeding into your mixer. You'd yeah. have your, yeah, you know, the studios would be much bigger. You'd have your proper plate reverb. You'd have a spring reverb. Mm. You have a delay unit. 
Mm. You probably have three or four things on three or four auxiliaries on the mix on the mixer, and you could send different elements at any time to that, and they would come back on their own faders, and then that mix gets put onto two tracks of another tape machine, right? Mm. So it's basically remembering that, and the amazing thing when I started, so so before I was mixing like that, I would have all of my drum channels going to a drum fader, right? All of my bass, everything to do with yeah. bass, going to a bass, master bass. Everything, guitars going to a guitar. Same, you know. And then you'd get to the end of your mix and you're like, oh, I could just EQ those drums, but I'm feeling lazy, so I'm just going to put an EQ on all the drums <laughs> and do this. <laughs> and, then, and then, like, oh, I just want a bit more, like compression yeah and you just kind of go around and around and around all you're really doing is making things sound much worse mm. so breaking them out of those buses like group buses yeah just made it just lifted this like cloud off of my mixes mm. so now you're kind of dissecting this so your kick will have his own buses and then your snare will have his own buses or are you still grouping things so now <laughs> you have to give me everything is oh, there's no secret i mean i'm not the person yeah. who came up with this it's just yeah. uh, a bunch of stuff that i have learned over the years mm. and yeah. have made it into my workflow i got obsessed with that workflow and me trying to be able to work quickly um so everything is rooted to the master mix bus yeah that's it i the only things i'll group uh, you know, say you've got three mics on a guitar amp or whatever, mm. that'll go into a thing and then I can use that and blend that into that. That's fine. But otherwise, you know, every, everything goes into the mix bus and then I have a parallel mix bus and then that goes into a final limiter, yeah. two, two limiters. <laughs> but yeah, it's... I've still got... I don't fit. have buses for my kicks, no. Yeah. Every, everything's like... Mm. I have my kick in, that's mm. being sent to the mix bus. I've got my mm. kick out, that's going to the mix bus. Mm. They might have a parallel kick, or one or both of them might, and that's going to the mix bus. Um, yeah, That's what I meant, really. So the, the gain staging is controlled by VCAs mm. instead, mm. Yeah. basically. So I could still do that thing where, oh, I need to... All the vocals need to come up. You know, you come back the next day and you're like, what the hell was I doing? So you just got the VCA then? To... You can turn the VCA up, that'll probably do it yeah do you have any sort of rules in your mind to stop yourself from just going down rabbit holes when you're mixing because like the thing you just described like you'll spend i've like i've seen you and oliver do it mixing. yeah like I'm, I'm not really as involved in the technical side of mixing but like going over something again and again and mixing mm. it for two hours and taking it in one direction and then coming back the next day and being like well, that we just lost. Well, generally, like uh, things like that would be done in like production for me, in that yeah. stage. That's when you can get creative and do stupid things. Yeah. Uh, mixing, yeah, of course. Sometimes an idea comes along late in the day, and you're like, "Ah, oh, shit, yeah, that, this section needs something, so let's do it." But so you're kind of like your workflow seems like you're kind of like segmenting like the mixing to the production to then all yeah. the production then the mixing. Yeah, absolutely. The production is where you make you 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 experiment yeah. creatively, and the mix is where you try to objectively make it sound good. Exactly. Yeah. 
What I meant was more like, do you have anything like, I will not mix past 12 o'clock, for example? Because, like... Oh, uh, I mean, I don't have rules like that, but I, I don't. Okay. Like, the best stuff happens in the morning. You've only really got four good hours. I mean, six, but... For your ears or for your mind? Both. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, taking breaks is always good advice that yeah. we none of us take properly. But... Do you feel like you've gone through the periods <laughs> or we've done it longer than that? Yeah, of course. I've, yeah, that... definitely was up till 3am every yeah. night doing a record once, but that's... Nothing good can come from that. Well, it did, but <laughs> that's that's not a way to live your life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you're doing it every day, yeah, then you're not going to last. So I try to kind of fit mixing, either changing songs or artists, or being able to just go outside and go for a walk, or yeah, or just call it an early day, or or do something different. For like a bit of the time but just don't do it for too long and know what you're trying to achieve when you set out yeah it's different i think when you're doing your own music you will always try and go further and and go down that hole because it's it's part of part of the fun yeah but when you're working on someone else's music it's you you do have those boundaries yeah like I, I can't mix the Spectres music anymore. Like, well, cause you're too, since I've joined you're too the band, so I used to work with them, and we'd make horrible, noisy-sounding records <laughs> because everything was loud in a small little room. But when I joined the band, we wrote an album, and the singer was living in Berlin, and it was we were kind of made this album over probably a year. Yeah in the old studio whenever he was back we would like put a thing together and it just became this kind of Frankenstein weird thing and I was just so unhappy with it and it took us a while to realise okay they are the demos because they were like made whilst they were being written and like pieced together and nothing like yeah. felt right and so at that point, we, we ended up getting in touch with um, a guy called Alex Greaves in Leeds, who had done, who'd worked with a few bands we know and has this great studio he works from at the Nave in Leeds. And we kind of went up there and got him involved. And he already knew the band. And having him to do all of that stuff was brilliant. And that just gave Because then the, I could just be, you know, I, I'm sitting in your chair. It's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. What album was that that you joined on? Uh, so it's the last album that they released uh, oh fuck what's it called <laughs> You'd have to send it's it never to it's never going to happen and this is why it's called <laughs> right yeah um, which is the last release that Spectres did last album that they did you we working did. on anything in the minute well we just finished the fourth album okay and you're not going to mix it oh no Alex mixed it oh, it's, right. it's already, already done mixed. oh yeah 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 it's yeah. mixed mastered we did that <coughs> last July um, was that when you went to Abbey Road you said something to listen to some mastering. I remember oh no, 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 that was years and years ago. <laughs> All right. Oh, that was that was silly. That was very silly. Um, no, no. So this record, we went because Joe, our singer, lives in Berlin, and we don't get time, and we didn't want to do that little thing where he's over for a day. Let's try and write a bit of a song. It just doesn't work. So we just thought, screw it. Let's go away for a week 
and Alex and the guy the studios he the studio works out they've just had this uh farmhouse yeah. in the middle of nowhere near Leeds uh and they've kind of set it up as a amazing writing space yeah so we went there for I think it was eight days um just set up room about this big uh bashed it out and just <laughs> just woke up every morning had breakfast together wrote two songs so we'd, we'd just get in we had no ideas and we'd just someone would play something and be like what was that and we'd play it and we'd just craft it into something Alex would be in the uh, control room everything was mic'd up yeah he'd just record it roughly get a tempo going for us on a click and we'd record it just as is like that and then he'd go through we'd kind of replace the drums we might take the DIs for the guitars and reamp them or replay them or wh whatever we needed to do yeah uh, and came away from those eight days with I think it was eight songs done recorded um, went back to hum and whilst Joe was in and out kind of because we didn't have any vocals at that point no so he kind of would come and do two songs or something whilst he was in town and then we'd piece that together we'd add loads of stupid synths and stuff to it and I sent it back to Alex and it was beautiful because I was just like here you go here's this <laughs> mess that we've made can you do it deal with it and That's he's brilliant he's and he does and he he added stuff as well and it's kind of got this great like collaboration of of an extra member almost so yeah it's really good that's the album you've just finished. We've just finished, yeah. Is Do it, you know when it's going to be out? Yeah, you just asked. No, we're just working <laughs> out. It'll be next year. Can you give us a sneak peek? Or? I can give it to you, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'd like I to listen know. to that. It's, it's, um, it's a bit different to any... I don't know if you've listened to our stuff before, I, but... I, I've, I've only heard whatever you showed me that time when right. in the studio. No, it's a bit different. It's a bit more clean and optimistic in a way. Yeah, less dirgy. I listened but to a little bit maybe of the last album. I think it would have been. I get, I get you. It has that sort of early eighties gloom. Yeah, so I thought. Yes, it's definitely. That, that, that's my opinion based yeah, on yeah. listening to the first two tracks. Yeah. Because I didn't actually find the band until today. Right. Okay. Which is bad research on my behalf. <laughs> no. Um, there's. I mean, so the first Spectres album, they. Uh, you know, massively into Sonic Youth. Yeah. Um, where their heart, where their influences on their sleeves. Yeah. But uh, second album that they did was a. It. It's almost like, you've got to work hard, to listen to it. It's a hard. It's you know it's long and there's periods of, music that are just anxiety provoking that sounds it's a hard it's it's good but it's it's definitely a harder less accessible listen and then the third one the one you listen to definitely more that was the first one I, I came on when I was playing and helping yeah. write and we always write as a band but yeah that was much more like okay let's stop doing eight ten minute songs let's do three minute songs let's try and whittle this mm. down and then this one, we've gone even further. We've gone like, okay, let's do it without the fuzz pedals. Let's, let's stop <laughs> fucking around with just noises and actually, yeah. you know, be a bit more... Compositional. Yeah, or just, I guess, abrasive in a different way. Yeah. You know. I get that. Steve, 
that, that just reminds me of something Stephen Wilson said from Porcupine Tree. Right. Like, I think on a on his the last Porcupine Tree album, he said that they deliberately decided to use really clean guitar tones and the heavy riffs. Yeah. Because having a distorted guitar and a heavy riff has become such a cliche. Yeah. That it almost seems heavier to have yeah. a clean guitar <laughs> just because it's different. Yeah. Sure, I get that. Yeah, similar similar thinking, I guess. That was the only only like idea we had before we made the record was yeah. let's do something a bit more clean and stripped back and raw and yeah. just not that the others weren't honest. I mean, you know, it, the first two records especially are just yeah. really just that in a room, you know, there's nothing fancy going on at all. And but yeah, just kind of that rawness a bit more. You know, there's minimal overdubs. Yeah. Really. The album you said that you did in Leeds, the newest one. Yeah. Did you... Um, Like, how... Like, you basically said that you were just waking up and, like, someone would just play, like, a riff or something. Yeah. And then you just write a song from there. Yeah. How, and like, record it the same day. Uh-huh. Well, same hour. Yeah, how did that all... Much. How did that all work with, like, agreements and, like... Everyone's oh, I think like we're all on... so tired of fucking fighting that we just don't bother anymore. Um, uh, Andy, our drummer, had a hard time. He, yeah, he he doesn't like recording anyway, yeah. Yeah. whereas obviously I love it. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, you know, he was the one that had to work the hardest because he's the drummer. Yeah, he had to get it down. Yeah. Uh, whilst we were there, the rest we could do if we had to, but we didn't need to. But, yeah, he... He had a much harder time, but no, there, there weren't arguments at all. Mm. I think it's that. I think it's that not being precious. Yeah, I think it's so important for creativity. Otherwise, you're just stifling yourself, especially if it's a collaborative thing. Mm. You know, egos, whilst they could be amazing and important in one way, can really mm. fuck up what could be great otherwise. So you were kind of just letting, like you were letting each other just breathe. And yeah, just... exactly. Exactly. Let let everyone breathe. If someone has an idea, try it. Mm. You know, uh, and we've known each other for a long time and mm. we don't see each other that often. Yeah. And, you know, we weren't going to, we weren't going to have a shit time. Yeah, it's no. probably. We were just going to have a nice time, <laughs> yeah. whatever happens, yeah. you know. So yeah, we, we would just wake up, someone would be cooking breakfast, we'd eat, we'd make some, music Alex was there his dog was there we were in the middle of nowhere we'd go on walks and yeah it's quite wholesome it was really wholesome <laughs> you know watch a movie and <laughs> watch Nathan for you and drink beers and have dinner and that was it I find yeah. it interesting the creative process that you describe of just writing it recording it done yeah because like Right now in Windshake, we're we're at the point of like, we'll rehearse a song for weeks, then we'll play it live, and then we'll scrutinise it and be like, we need to make that bit four bar shorter. Or we, and we, and like, it sure. just evolves and evolves and evolves. And that's a process which worked for us. Mm -hmm. But I've, I personally would feel, part of me would feel freaked out and a bit scared to record something that soon sure it is scary because yeah. you're letting go of it sure. really quickly yeah. you're, you're letting I, go of your control I love that I completely understand why a lot of people wouldn't I do I just I, I 
I just think it it can deliver such interesting results yeah. if you let it. Obviously, it's not always going to work. No, but that's but when that's again. when your judgment comes in. Later on, you're like, "Yeah, we recorded that." Doesn't mean you have to put it out or for anyone to hear it. Yeah, you can come back a week later and go, "Yeah, that was shit." Doesn't sure. matter. Yeah, you can record ten songs if as long as you get one great one, then yeah. it's been worth it. Uh, and you've still got those ideas; you can still tweak them. Yeah, but yeah, we had to, and we were just we got so good at just saying no. Why? Why are we repeating that section? Just don't. Yeah, just don't. Where normally we would, we like right, do that section four times. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's let's really <laughs> make that section last. Yeah. And make people really have to work to enjoy it. Whereas now it was just, it was just like, no, let's get rid of that. Let's just do it and then do something else. Yeah. I feel like that is something that a lot of bands go through. Like we go through it as well. Like, do we, like, like the instinct is to make every, every riff last for four bars. Yeah. Yeah. Four bars at least. And then you go, do we need to do that? Yeah. It takes, it's like, it's like another level of coming out of Plato's cave almost in the evolution of a band to be like, no, we don't need to make everything. No, this long. of course you don't. Of we course don't you don't. We don't need a guitar solo at the start of the song. Ever. At the end of the song. No, Ever. yeah. Sure. <laughs> or ever. I think playing live helps though with, yeah. Like ideas like that. Because like testing it like, yeah, no, works. of course, yeah. Yeah. We, but uh, we don't play live yeah rarely we're, we're going to be playing next year are you looking forward to that uh <laughs> i don't know that i uh, are you not I, what, are you not do you just prefer to be behind? i did no i used to love i used to love playing live but it's um i, th- I think i love being on tour but i don't there's a lot of work especially for us when we we don't meet up ever you yeah. know we've never even played those songs on your album since Really, we played them a so couple is of that, times. Are you gonna like go on a tour as soon as you start playing live? Or are you just gonna start playing like? I think we've got a couple of shows lined up in February, and then are they in Bristol? Or? There's one in Bristol, yeah. Where's that? Uh, Simple Things Festival. You know? No, I'm near that. So Simple Things, it's it's festival. I think it's going on like ten years or something, but it hasn't been on since 2019. Uh, I moved during 2019. Right, it's like one of those festivals that's dotted around loads of venues around the city. Right, but it's always got a great lineup. Yeah, uh, I think we're on somewhere. I don't know, but I'll uh, definitely come and see a band. Yeah, it's good. got. I think it's got a good lineup. Um, yeah, so I think we're just gonna do that and hopefully do a tour Europe. You know, before I joined the band, they had great connections in Europe. We, I went on tour with them as their driver around France and stuff before <laughs> so <laughs> so you you all like they already had the connections then to just be able to go on the tours. yeah but that that was years ago I, I don't know what's going to happen now uh we're just going to try and try and make it work somehow uh yeah but I'm excited to play the new songs because mm. we, we don't really know how it's going to work how are you actually going to if you don't see each other that much, how are you going to get, like, you're going to just get together for like two weeks and just rehearse the fuck out of them? Or you just gonna... it just, yes, not two weeks, but yeah. Longer um, or less? Less. We'll, we'll probably only have a couple of days, I'm yeah. sure. That's how it normally works. But Do you feel like that? that's enough for you to get to the level that you want to be at? 
No, or if, absolutely no, not. In no. an ideal world, you'd want to rehearse. Yeah, of course, but life, yeah. like, it's not something we can, we can do. Yeah, you know, we've all got lives, and it's not, it's not something we're trying to like push to become our career. It's just something that we love doing. Yeah, you know, uh, and just having playing music with your mates. Yeah, really. Now, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, coming back onto that, like. Uh, not being precious and just recording the moment. I'm I'm trying to put together. I don't know if I've told you about this this little project, this idea I've had to have at the studio. No, I think so. What? So if you're elaborate, well, so it's like this idea of mine to like try and try and do these almost like experiments where I get half of one band or or a person from one band or an artist and have them with another band yeah or half so two from one two from another or whatever yeah and just have two days in the studio with nothing pre-prepared <laughs> and just go let's make something let's just make something that sounds really cool. and whatever it is at the end of those two days is what it is and that's it that sounds and like then start a, start a record label and put it out on record and do a limited run and just have like this opportunity sim- for people to just do something that they don't need to be precious about yeah because it's not there is no expectation yeah and just to be able to kind of experiment and work with people they wouldn't have worked with before have you seen um is it improv greatest hits Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, Is that, that Harry, Harry's night? Yeah, yeah. That's start that like they've been doing at the other Repute and they're doing something similar to that. Life. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever been to one, but it's, I, I haven't. No, I, I've heard of it. It's but, really good. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like similar to what you're describing, though. It's like different but, musicians from different backgrounds, yeah, sort of jamming together. But improv. That's yeah. so. So you're on that's where this. Writing. Yes, that's yeah. where this differs. I improv, you know, amazing, and I know some of the musicians who go there. Yeah, they're exceptional, and it's. Yeah, amazing. But this, what I want out of this is, it's similar to like how how would the Spectres, you know, did the the writing of the album where you'd kind of there's still the craft involved. Yeah. It's not just let's have a jam and record it. It's it's more considered than that. Um, obviously, you might need to have a bit of a jam to like get some ideas. Yeah. But like taking those ideas and turning them into something, that's that's what I want to do. Would you be involved as a player in your idea, or would you? Sure, play? yeah, yeah, I'd yeah. play, or yeah, whatever, whatever's needed. Or I mean, would you mainly produce? Mainly, mainly production and and engineering it, and just yeah. That sounds like a really interesting idea. Yeah, I think it. I think it's going to be fun. I've got a few ideas for mashups. I don't know if that's the right word, but yeah. Of existing material or of bands? Of of bands, of like yeah. collaborations to put together. Uh, I haven't, it's very new in my head. I've been just mm. like yeah, getting it together as as a thought. And um, so, yeah, it's not come to fruition yet, but it will. It yeah. absolutely will. I'd, I'd like to be involved in that in some yeah. way. <laughs> Sounds fun. Same. <laughs> if- if you need any yeah I'll pay you as like a Gabba artist or something and <laughs> I'd, I'd love to do something like that yeah. I'd love to do something that I have no control over yeah it's just like right what, you sure you'd love be that? fun yeah <laughs> I would yeah yeah. Prob- yeah especially when you remove that like 
need for it to be that your one creative outlet you know yeah. if this that you've got your band and it's like that's super important and that that is part of your identity and yeah and your creative outlet and it's super important and i get it but having removing that pressure yeah. and being able to just do something and seeing what happens yeah is really liberating and yeah so i used to do these night these weekends with my old drummer uh george garrett he used to play in a band with me and he plays in heavy lungs now but me and george would just get together in my old studio for the weekend and the plan was write and record and mix and master a whole album in a weekend yeah and we did it a couple of times and you know they were silly but they were so much fun and a couple of the tunes were really good yeah so that, in that sense, it was worth it, you know. Were you ever tempted with the producer's hat on to then take the best bits of those and make like one record, which was more like... No, like, I really wasn't. No. <laughs> uh, no, I, I like drawing lines under things and being like, you know what, that is good. I think that Let's takes self-control. Or maybe not self-control if you have the natural predisposition to do that. I think it's just because I've done it and ruined things. Yeah. So I've learned to, not to leave things. To, yeah. yeah. I've learned to leave things well enough alone when they're when they're done, for sure. You can apply that to writing as well. Like if you just write in a song on your own, or even with a band, like learning, like when to let. Like I didn't know yeah. if you were saying it in that context, and or mainly producing. But like, if you're writing a song, like sometimes from writing a song, I'll just go over it too much and then ruin it, and then. Yeah. But. I guess it's like your own artistic judgment in it sometimes. Yeah. It is. It's perception, well, perspective even. And yeah, that's that's a learning curve in itself, isn't it? It's like knowing when to know that you're seeing things correctly or, mm. yeah. I don't think that, I don't think like there's ever a point where you do actually know either. Sometimes for me. No, probably not. There's <laughs> no like, now I've learned how to probably do. I think you just maybe get better like a trust in yourself maybe more with things like when we when we were coming to hum to record a lot i definitely felt more in a place where i was like oh fuck it that's a good like that's a good take mm. like I, I wasn't as insecure about the takes why i think it's i think there's loads of different factors one of it because like we were doing it with you when we were in the studio and it just sounded really good yeah but I think, I think it's because I'd gone through the period prior to that, right. where I was like judging the takes a lot, and like wanting to redo everything. Yeah. Even though we did redo one song that we did in Hum. I think we we did re redo one song, didn't Picking we? Picking up the wrong line. Yeah. <laughs> because the take just wasn't right. Yeah. And then the forthcoming albums. <laughs> but that 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 was more of a, I think that was more of a choice of that, we didn't. When we recorded it, we only did the keys, drums, and bass without right. a guitar being there. Right. And, like, I felt like all three of the instruments weren't gelling. And the sure. guitar is a very rhythmical guitar. Yeah. In the song. So, why, why did you. Was that with me? Yeah. Right. Oh, we might have been with Connor, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Why didn't you have the guitar at the same time? Well, we, I don't know. You don't know. It was just one we of them. I thought it would be better to record it that way, right. and then it wasn't. Yeah. It was one of them stupid. Well, it's just one of those things, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You live and learn. Yeah, well, I. No I, big deal. I don't know if I was just going through a period as well where I felt just more like, oh, fuck it, that just sounds good. 
and like I hope that when we're doing the newest stuff I'm not going back in a period of like oh no this sounds <laughs> wrong or like nah. we need to redo it <laughs> I want to stay on that trajectory of just being like fuck it that's the take yeah let's just get on with it yeah I thought it helped just like having you or Connor as an external voice being like yeah no that's that's a good that's take. great yeah because when it's between the five of us or the four of us or whatever it's like oh thing is, is that good is that not good thing is there's a real <laughs> disconnect I find and I found this being a musician in a band and and working with other other bands and there's this real disconnect where okay so you're the musician you're playing this take you're feeling it you're like yes this feels good <laughs> I am doing amazing I am nailing every note this is the one I'm feeling it whilst that's great that does not mean that it's translating that's what fucking yeah. worries me it does, does not mean that that is what's <laughs> translating through the speakers and into somebody else yeah and that's well there's two two ways of thinking isn't it there's the what's more important the journey and, and it depends completely project to project on artist to artist but what's more important the journey and the experience of making it whilst that can be amazing you know maybe that is the most important thing maybe the fact that you felt it means it is the take but the thing is if no one else is feeling it what's the point what's the point yeah are you because... on about band members or are you just on about the guy producing it well everyone yeah, i think true. everyone I, I you know any listener mm. you know you can feel that take as much as you like but the amount of times i've worked with a band and that's happened someone and the whole band have been like that's the one that's the one that's the one they come in we listen to two takes yeah and they don't choose that one they choose another one. Have you ever gone behind the back of the band because you simply believed that <laughs> strongly that the like the take they chosen was the wrong one? No, 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 no. Uh, That'd be murder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can't no, do that. I'd never. I would never. Uh, I think that would be impossible to do anyway. I think after the podcast, you'd be like, "Yeah, I've done that." Last <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think what it just it, what it highlights is that even if you felt that it in it's not all about that it's yeah. about the thing as a whole and what translates is it being played as a whole yeah. right that's what's important fair yeah but what if it, it it is just your perspective as well though like say if like you really believe that that's the take and they really believe that the other one's the take but I guess it's different from your shoes because you're not in the I band. I guess you know there's always a there's always a discussion as well. Yeah. It's not like you must do what I say. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's you know people put their opinion forward and there's a discussion and mm. more than likely they'll do another take. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we were doing it, when we were going to hum and recording with you, we were doing like six takes and. Or even more sometimes, but you always seem to be like, "Oh, the first one is the best," or the second yeah, one. Yeah, probably is. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just the way it is. It it's really just funny is. when that happens because like it happens all the time. Yeah. It's just you, the way it you is. You just do three takes, have a break. <laughs> yeah. And choose one, because if you're not going to do it, you're not probably never going to do it better unless there's something fundamentally wrong with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I noticed that in my head, when, like when we do takes, it, I noticed that we do the first take, the second take, the third take, and in my brain, as I was playing, I'd be thinking, "Well, these aren't going to be the one." And I was like, "Hang on a minute, I'm that's not the place the you." There. 
I feel like you need to like get out of that place you if do, you're yeah. in it in your head. Because mm. sometimes that... I've been in that place when I'm recording where I'm like, yeah. oh, it's fine, we'll do another take. Yeah. It's like That's you... not, yeah, you should always be the last take. Yeah. 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 It's, it's important. It's... it's important to be able to know that that's how you're thinking as well and be able to react to that and pull yourself out of that. I, I think. Yeah. The like when you work with vocalists, like I know you probably work with a variety of vocalists, but I feel like I'm in a place right now with my vocals where it's kind of like what Phineas says he does to Billie Eilish's vocals. I don't know if you've seen videos on YouTube of like how he produces the sure, tracks. Yeah. But like he's like he just talk about how he'd comp them all together. Yeah. I feel like I'm. Well, I was in a place for our second album where I was like doing that with the vocals. If you know what I mean. I mean, that's that's super common. That's not just him. That's a super common... Yeah, I know, but I was just using him as yeah. an example. But yeah. like... Um, sorry. Yeah, no, I, I was just trying to elaborate that, like, I... Like... If you can get a vocal right, though, sometimes, just, like, for a verse without comping it, I sometimes feel like it is just better. In my own head. Yes, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it's hard. But what is that? I know, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. But what is that? And is that real? Is it? No, is it problem. tangible? And it's so so difficult. Like the psychology behind it all is fascinating because it's like, yeah, okay, I I get that. I completely understand that. What? That you're just getting it all in one. Take yeah, of course. It feels right. It feels honest. It feels true. All those things that matter to your soul as mm. as you want your music to be portrayed but is it true Probably if not. if one line was from another take yeah would anyone be able to tell the difference no, would you even be able to tell the difference that's why i would just comp the vocals yeah but it does get to a point where it's like i think because you are comp on the vocals, then you get even more picky and then you're like, right, I'm going to redo once that you, line. Once you start, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then you're like, right, that phrase is slightly It's different. like drum editing. Once you start, yeah. you can't stop. Like <laughs> you, you end up doing the whole lot. Um, yeah. 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 It's... How do you usually... Like, I feel like I've morphed myself into this sort of person now as a vocalist who's like, I need to be in control of my vocals when it comes right. to like editing or like I feel like I'd really find it hard to be like right I'm just gonna do a take a bunch of takes and then you can comp them <laughs> that would drive me fucking insane not, not well that's fine because you if, if you can do that then yeah. great even better it means I don't have to fucking deal yeah. with it yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no and yeah I I think I've just got myself into that place from just doing it myself if you know yeah. what i mean yeah and now if i do want to like pull relapse it a little back a little bit i'd probably have to learn to like trust other people like i think like like because oliver like i trusted oliver with yeah. comping my takes because yeah. he had done it so much if you know what i mean yeah but then like allowing new people to do that it's like fuck yeah i need to be in control of my vocal <laughs> Well, I mean, you could, you know, you can always do it with someone. Yeah. And just yeah. be like, you comp it and you watch yeah. them. And if they choose one you don't like, you just go, no, not that one. That can be like pulling teeth as well. Though, sure. I guess that's why I was initially started talking about this. It's like when you do record with vocalists, like 
how do you normally get around stuff like that or do you just get type of singers that just they just do a take and then they just need no, you to every, everyone's different of course um some singers will do it they'll smash the whole song mm. and it'll be perfect and they'll double track it and it'll be perfect yeah honestly <laughs> I've, I've worked with a few singers that blow my mind yeah um others you'll uh there's comping that will happen but you do it whilst you're recording yeah that's uh, what i tend to do when i'm doing it so i'm not going back to it like a day later well it's very hard for it to be done at the same time like whilst you're singing yeah like i having that person doing that mm. as you're doing the take you know, yeah. whilst you're singing i'm yeah. there chopping up the, the right bit and putting it in the right place um, you know the best workflow for mm. it is having your live channel your your record channel yeah just always in record um, you record you chop a bit yeah the, the bit you want to keep pull it down onto the 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 next channel the comp channel yeah that's the quickest way to do it and then so you're just did you ever tell the other singers that you're doing that or no you don't need to. So, so they they just they just think. So you're just choosing what you think's the best take, and then you yeah. hope that they just think. And they might they might listen back and go, oh yeah. no, can I just redo that line? Yeah. Or if they're experienced, they'll go, is there not a better take of that? Or like, mm. can I change the way that that ends or whatever? But they might want to just do another take, mm. which is fine, and you'll go and do that. But it might just be a couple of lines. I think unless every take is so vastly different yeah performance wise you I mean if that's the case you shouldn't you shouldn't be comping anyway mm. you should be working out <laughs> what the vibe is yeah. but um generally by that point they should be very similar and you should be able to hear what they're going for mm. and you take the one that is right if they're struggling well, you have to then do various things, whether that's yeah. <laughs> tuning post-production or yeah. having a break or yeah. just taking them outside and changing the subject and just thinking about something else for a minute or, you know. I feel like the the vocalist's role in recording, it can be quite like a vulnerable role sometimes. I guess it yeah. can be for any musician, but like if you're not in the right head, like... Sometimes if I just don't feel inspired, I'll just feel like I can't physically it's, it, punch myself. It's a, it's it's completely different to anything else, any yeah. other instrument. Uh, I think that took me quite a few years to realise. What, when you were working with singers? Yeah, at the beginning. Well, they might just be like, fuck this, I don't want to... <laughs> yeah, and you only have a finite amount of time, really. Yeah. You know, they, they can't go all day. Well, most are most they, of them. Are they usually the ones, the singers, that want to go all day doing it? No, but like... <laughs> If you try and push them till it's perfect, yeah, you know they've only really got a few good takes in them, yeah, and right. Well, of course, every singer is different, but yeah. sometimes you might get three takes, and then it will really drop off. That's what I've kind of learned about singing to a track. So you only really get like one, two, three, maybe yeah. four. Because if it starts feeling stale in the vocal, the whole track's gonna feel stale. You know, the, if the delivery of the vocal's wrong and boring, mm. 
no no one's going to listen. No one's going to go, oh, vocal's boring, band are good. They're just going to turn it off. But the, the really difficult thing, though, I feel like the vocalists might have to deal with is that you might just... It's kind of like what you were saying earlier about that you feel like in the moment you're doing something good, you're playing it good, and then in reality, translating onto the recording, it sounds like shit. Because like you could be in there singing your fucking heart out in the vocal booth. You could, yeah. <laughs> it just yeah. sounds like shit. <laughs> you can. Like, that does ha- that's happened to me quite a few times. Sure, I think it's probably happened to most people. Yeah. At, and I at think some that, stage. Yeah, I think that's that can be like a difficult thing to yeah. try to navigate yourself out of that situation. Yeah. yeah, and because your vocal is so personal. Yeah. That. It's much more. Um, you're much more naked than yeah. the drama, or the bass, or the, anything else. Because if you're just singing it though, the way you think it is meant to be, like you're just singing the song like any other time you sing it. Mm-hmm. Like this is the thing that always bothers me, and then it just doesn't sound good. Then you're like, okay, well, what do I do now then? Yeah. Because I've just sung the song how I always sing it and how I so always I sing guess, it. So I guess I guess that's where you <laughs> you need to find someone you work with that you get on with and that yeah. you can be honest with. And yeah. work it through together. If you've taken yeah. it as far as you can take it, yeah, just get some opinions from people yeah. you trust, and try different things. One thing, one technique, which has helped me, I don't don't know if it would help other people, but it's, for our second album, I when I was doing the vocals, I'd pretty much mute everything, but the kick drum, and maybe a piano or acoustic guitar. Okay, and then once. I got one take which I was really happy with to stay in like I'd use the piano to stay in tune mm. but then once I got a vocal that sounded right with like everything because I'd unmute everything then I'd do the same thing but only sing to that vocal and the kick as like as a double track right but I felt like it would help me stay in tune a lot okay with the one vocal I recorded interesting yeah and I feel like it was the happiest vocals that I wouldn't do that for every song, just a few tracks. So yeah. I kind of did that. Yeah? Yeah. Great. Yeah. That was just a technique that I found. Yeah, good. <laughs> I mean, the fact that you you guys are just doing it is brilliant because you're working out the things that you like. Yeah. Whereas most people, they don't have that opportunity, you know, or they don't take it and or just don't have the interest in that side of it either, you know. Yeah. It's, all, it's fine, but... Yeah, you guys are doing it, and yeah, it's great. Trying to, like, learning more as well about singing live. I'm start like, we recorded a track the other day in a, a BIM studio. Oh, yeah. And it was the first time we did a vocal live. And that felt like, I like the way it sounds, the end product. Right. But I didn't like it when, like, we weren't that rehearsed for the songs. We basically just boshed out a song right. and recorded it and we only ever played it like three times together maybe right. a bit more than that but we were nowhere near as tight as like yeah. we wanted to be what that meant was that every time one of us fucked up then we had to start again and I'd be like for fuck's sake hang on how many takes do you think I've got in me yeah <laughs> I can see why that would be frustrating because like yeah. if you're just singing to a backing track you only have to worry about you getting mm. the vibe but if you've got the vibe as a singer and then yeah. everybody else fucks it up yeah I don't know because we've probably gone over the limit we were meant to oh, shit yeah there was there was there was like one more thing I wanted to ask you about sure which is like the thing that everyone's talking about 
What's that? What's everyone talking about? <laughs> I don't know. Not, I guess it just depends what shit you're reading. AI. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> How did you know that? How do you know that? Um, what do you want to know? What do you want? I just wanted to know what you think of, like, like, well, to start off with, I just wanted to know what you think about, like, well, there's, there's loads of it, but, like, I saw uh, one of the main, I don't remember his names, but one of the main songwriters from ABBA, on the Rick Beato show. Beyond. It might have been him, yeah. Yeah. But he's talking about... He's talking... What, did you want to grab? No, no, no. <laughs> he, he's talking Have about it. AI now in the music industry. And, like, he's talking with, like, industry professionals and what can they what can they actually do about it. Because he's, he's gone to, like, some of the biggest companies. I don't remember the names. And they're starting to show what AI can actually do. Yeah, like, I mean, you know, music- the, you know the ABBA show, though, right? Yeah. What, the with the whole... Yeah. Whole, yeah. Yeah, that. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> you know, they're already doing stuff. It's but he's which basically is amazing, but... he's basically saying that there's AIs out there that are basically writing songs uh-huh. which are as good as like any other song that's yeah. ever been written. Yeah. And like he's saying, he thinks in like ten or twenty years, Killian's wants to run out of the room. <laughs> no. But he's saying in like ten or twenty years that he thinks that we're basically gonna have like a tool next to us, like we have a doll, for example. He thinks that we're going to just have, like, an AI system where uh-huh. you can just basically be like, right, I want to write, like, a 60s song. And then the AI will basically just give you, like... It's already doing that now, apparently. Yeah. Give you, like, four chords and then and the away you and go. And the lyrics and it will write it and record it for <laughs> yeah. you. Uh, I, just I mean, know who fucking you're... knows? Um, even, yeah, even it bleeding into recording, though. It's quite exciting, I think. I yeah. don't know. I think, you know, oh, it's hard because... Of course, it's scary, but at the same time, it's super exciting because yeah. what the hell could that... It could it could mean so much. <laughs> yeah. Something amazing could happen. No one knows. Yeah. What do you think the most amazing thing that could happen could be, though? It's quite an optimistic... Uh, <laughs> it's like... I'm, I'm genuinely what, curious. What, what if AI makes a type of music that no one has ever heard before or considered before? But it's, aren't there already people in bands doing that now? Sure, of course there is, but yeah, fine, great. But I guess, you know, 50 years ago, there was many less genres. And, you know, yeah. it kind of, we, we, modern music, it's, it spans so vast that you can almost go, what's left? Yeah. You know, what, what really is left? But there must be loads. It's just we can't imagine it yet, and if that's that gets us there, great. I don't know, why not? We'll bring it on. It's it's. I think, I think we could very easily be scared of it and try and get rid of it and not want to use it. But I think it's there. It exists. It's only going to get more powerful. Let's try and embrace it and and do something good with it. What do you think um, about the stuff that is like? Have you seen the thing with Drake? Where like AI basically like oh I've heard I haven't I honestly <laughs> haven't made, like I've it's, well, where it's like his voice but yeah. it's yeah so, so so artists are now selling yeah. the license for their voice yeah or something. so I think like Grimes <laughs> yeah Grimes oh, was what? like yeah any anyone can now make a song and have my voice sing it yeah. but she gets half the um, royalties or it, something it like that it is fucking like. I know, I know that that AI probably isn't like as sophisticated as like what some of the other AIs are because they're basically just prompting like mm. 
vogue like the they're basically just getting like from my knowledge it's like well for example i heard do you know that song somebody that i used to know yeah someone did Gee. that but it was paul mccartney and john lennon singing it brilliant but the ai probably just listened to a bunch of recordings of a period of paul yeah. mccartney or john lennon and then just I don't know how the fuck it actually works. I think like, I guess you must listen. put a load <laughs> data into it and yeah. and yeah. But it's still someone like a human setting prompts. Yeah, I think. of course. Uh, you know, it's just going to be a tool for us to use. In you know, in a way, it already exists. There's already like plugins you can get which are AI. You know, I mm. use some that, that you know. There's there's dynamic eqs like mm. harshness resonance things they're all really ai mm. but that's not involving itself into creativity that's just that's part that's of the tool, a but, tool to but there's also there's also like ai where you know it can it can give you these chord progressions and it's like a little plug-in you put it in your door it helps with that and i don't know like i guess it just gives access to more people and we can be like oh they don't why should they cheat and yeah. use these things? But screw it. Why not? You mm. know, uh, mm. at yeah. one point, probably people thought the invention of Pro Tools was cheating. I don't know. You know, and like you can only record on tape, but all these things will change the industry, but they always end up being for good. Yeah. That's why I'm seeing it in a, in a positive way. Like it yeah. could be like, it's like when I'm, when I want to record, like quickly record an idea sometimes if i'm using voice memos if i'm using logic i'll just use like like sometimes you can do like the drummer thing do you know like the drummer fall as you play in yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. logic i guess ai could get to a point where it's like that as well where you yeah. can just well that just is give a form you... of ai isn't it I, I don't know is it yeah is that... in a way i guess i guess it's it is, artificial yeah, intelligence it's, <laughs> it's responding to what you're doing so yeah. and if it gives you like a chord progression i don't know i guess it I, I, yeah, yeah it, it, I mean, you know, people still call progressions all the time. Yeah, you that's know, the other thing. But that's but that's down to a human being making the choice to steal the chord, the chord progression. I don't know. I I'm more luddite than you two are about it, and mm. but I don't I don't think you're wrong. Mm. I just don't see it that way. I just think it it it's not going anywhere. So we may as well work it into something positive. That's all. Uh, you know, it it is scary. I'm not saying it's not. Yeah. But it's exciting. I see it as the divide between music as a commodity and music as a form of artistic expression. Yeah, fair. And music by AI is just a quicker, easier, it's a, less yeah, it's a product. expensive sure. way of getting the product. Sure. But if you like about music the fact that it was the product of someone's creativity, then it's useless. But, but what about what? What if what happens is AI makes all this music that is soulless, and people all that does is make your music better because you have the soul and the human humanity and the the creativity. That's a possibility. I, Who knows? I suspect that the mainstream. I'm going to sound like a snob here, but this is just what I think. I think the mainstream already is soulless. Mainstream chart music is. Millions of people listen to it and love it. But certain people don't listen to that. They'd rather mm. seek out 
bands that do it or artists that do it in a more sure creative way. But you know, so ev- it, everyone's like, different. I, I guess everyone is using music to fill a different hole in their life as well. Yeah. You know, some people, it is just noise in the background, and that, that's fine. Yeah. Some people want to connect with it. Some people want to sit and close their eyes, put their headphones on, and and go away. For, you know, like reading a book. Yeah. It, it's all for different purposes, isn't it? It's yeah. And if music by AI creates another reason for listening to music, great. If it, yeah, if it makes human music, if that's what we're gonna call it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, if it makes that better in comparison, and people, I, I don't, I don't get on with AI music, and. I want to listen to soulful music made by humans, then great. They'll still still have the option to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Thing is with musicians in general. Okay, some are there to for the money yeah. and the fame. But most musicians, ninety nine point nine percent of them, play music because they want to play music. Yeah. And most of them are probably skin. And that does not <laughs> stop them. Nothing stops them playing music. Yeah. We we all still play music. Yeah. Uh, AI might make it even harder. It might. <laughs> but, well, but it's not going to stop people playing. Yeah. It's not going to stop ever. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's not going to stop us. No. It might do. You know. <laughs> well, it, it might stop some people. I can't see it. No, I, I think the market market will always be there for musicians, real life people. Yes. I think it will, uh, and musicians aren't going to stop playing for anything they do it you know you learn a musical instrument for yourself yeah and it's you know for a lot of people their medicine you know it it makes them feel good and just because a computer has written a Beatles song in the year 2025 (laughs) isn't isn't gonna mean that yeah people are gonna stop playing music That is, that, yeah, that's a good point. It's, a, I like the way, that way of seeing it. Mm. It's more hopeful than my dad. Forever, forever the optimist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's a good point to end it, isn't it? Mm. Is there anything that you would like to tell our listeners about that you're working on at the minute, or that you have been working on? Um. I'll name drop a few artists. I guess the main thing was that that idea, that project. Yeah. Um, that will be coming to fruition. I think I'm going to call it mutable. Mutable. I didn't know what mutable meant, <laughs> but it means changeable, transient. Yeah. And I thought that was quite a good good name for the project, mutable. Um, Says so that. I guess I've been working with a few artists. I mean, the Spectres album, obviously, that's coming out next year. Uh, well, a dear friend of mine called Lau Yanua. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've heard his music. Oh yeah, he's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I he did. is truly amazing. Uh, just started mixing album number two, so I guess that will be coming out next year. Is he the guy who plays everything? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's also he's just been on tour. Yeah. He's got this amazing band he's put together. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're brilliant live. Mm. Um. 
just finished a record, an EP with a guy called Sam. Uh, but his artist name is Ein Sam, E-I-N-S-A-M. Yeah. Really great. Like, really loved, really lovely guy and great songwriter. Kind of like anything goes in a way, which I really like. You know, there's no rules on it has to be in this genre or anything. It's just, just great songs with, yeah, great production. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I only mix that. But um, that's a lie. I did play bass and some <laughs> other bits on it. But yeah, cool. I think that's it. Give Dom a follow. If yeah. you want to record a hum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, book yourselves into hum. You'll feel like a kid in a sweet shop. <laughs> you get to play with a Juno. There's a Juno. Yeah, there is a Juno. Yeah. Um, lots of toys. Yeah, we're very lucky to have it. So, yeah. Yeah, come along, see what it's about. But um, thank you so much for having me over. Sorry. Thanks for coming. Yeah. yeah, I've enjoyed this. Yeah, it's been, been been nice. Good chat. Reflective <laughs> and informative. <laughs> Good. I think we've gone over by like, I don't know how long. I, yeah, I need to go have my dinner. <laughs> we don't. We don't need to include this, but I thought maybe we could have in every episode. Every, each person recommends one album. Yeah, you could. It's for the listeners. Do you um, know, don't have to do a that. general album. Any album. Anything that you'd want people to listen to for any reason. For any reason. Oh. <laughs> Uh, I, have look, I have to look at my Spotify like, my memory is that bad um, pull up the Spotify huh? pull up the Spotify yeah we'll get AI to do it for us one day yeah <laughs> AI just plum, plug into my head and what's your choice Sam what an album to listen to for people um I'd probably just say right now, just because I'm listening to it, Lord's Grace Jones nightclubbing. Nah, I've been listening to that as well, actually, since you last, since I last saw you. Do you like it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's a good album. Well, I'm going to go two. All right. One, because it was probably the last album that I heard that kind of I truly loved. Yeah. Like, you know, one of those... When, if it was when you're younger, they're, they're more common, I guess, because you've heard less music. And yeah. and and they're much more rare these days. But um, I actually went and saw him last night, and it was amazing. But uh, Westerman, Westerman's first album. Okay. Um, What's the title of the album? Uh, Your Hero Is Not Dead. Where do you see him live? At The Exchange. Cool. Um, he's just released his second album. But that first one, that's... Yeah, that is so good. Was it in the main room or was it downstairs in the basement? In the main room. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he's he's on tour at the moment, so check him out. Although by the time this is out, it's probably probably over. Um, the other one, the other one, I'm gonna I'm gonna suggest is there's a band called Arnold Same. Okay. Named after the Blur song. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I am, I guess, slightly biased because. It's Connor, who I run the studio with. Yeah. And uh, a friend of ours called Chris Barrett, who... Chris is this an amazing songwriter in yeah. Bristol. He's got so many projects. I, I could name, like, four or five different bands that he has or has had. Um, but he's so, so good. It's always quite lo-fi, but amazing songwriter. And this project is Chris and Connor 
so Chris is like writing the songs and Connor's like producing, arranging and yeah. like filling it out. And it's amazing. Yeah. So they've just put an EP out called The Reader uh, on an American label. And that's... I'll check that out. It's it's so good. Like, I, I'm not even... I'm not being is biased. It, it's actually brilliant. Is it like... Is it like blues music, or did they just think of that name without realizing it was a blues? Song? I guess there's a twinge of blur, but not really. Yeah. Um, you just just go and go and listen. I'll give it I'll a listen. Check it out. Yeah, yeah. I would <laughs> I would urge anybody who's into mm, different sounding music to move you to check out the album Madison by Sloppy Jane, which came out in 2019, but. Sloppy Jane. It's very dramatic sounding. Right. And she she's an interesting artist. She's gonna save it now. She basically went for a walk through New York City one night, found a suit and a keyboard in a trash can and <laughs> took the keyboard and the suit home, decided to wear the suit until it rotted off of her. Wow. And decided to write a whole album on the keyboard. She'd never played keyboard in her life. Write the whole album on the keyboard. Fucking mental. And record the album in a cave. What and after about a year of going around America and looking for... <laughs> after about a year of going around America and finding the right cave, she did it and she brought it to fruition. And it's a fantastic record. Did she Great. get like a studio into the cave? She brought all the recording equipment to the cave. She recorded the entire thing in the Fucking cave. mental. Yeah, that's brilliant. And as big of an undertaking as that sounds... Well, I found it interesting that she said that ha- getting it to happen was the easiest thing. So once she had the idea, she found that people around her, it was way easier to find people who were wanted to help. Right. And I find that really encouraging. Yeah. Like, if you have an idea, it's easier than you might think to get people who want to be involved in mm. it. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's a great listen. So that would be my choice. Yeah. Great. The I other mean, thing I'm going to mention Yeah. is... Um, help out the Rhubarb Tavern. Oh yeah, I've seen, seen I've this. Seen, I've seen. There's a crowdfunder. Wow. I mean, there's only a week left or something, mm. but uh, they'll still need more donations mm. after they're yeah. going to start. Um, it's an amazing thing. My friends are, mm. and it's right near the studio. Um, but it's going to have like a music studio, gig venue, pottery studio, pub, community mm. space, teaching space, yeah, workshops. Mm. Everything. It's yeah. just going to be a brilliant community space. We'll try and share um, that around. The, yeah, do it. We'll, we'll tag them in the post it's, for this. Yeah. It's going to be an amazing place run by amazing people, non not profit and all the right reasons. It's going to be great. But they just need a little more help. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try to get them the help. Absolutely. <laughs> nice. All right. That's that. Thank yep. you very much. No worries. Thank you for having me. <laughs> nice to see you both. I'm down for this, though.